And if I was visiting and somebody was going to talk about what I'm going to talk about, I would be, I'd walk away shaking my head. But, you know, uh, I don't apologize for God's word. I never do. I mean, we don't, you know, God doesn't want editors. He wants people who teach his word forthrightly. We don't skip any verses. So we're going to be talking about the uh, rapture of the church this morning as given to us in Revelation chapter 4. And I ask you to turn there, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Finally, in chapter 4, and we're not going to get very far, we're going to look at the first two verses, sorry, a lot there. Um, And I'm thinking at least two weeks for uh, Revelation 4, and maybe three weeks, because I really, you know, it's hard dividing sometimes where, you know, we should. And then, of course, the service is abbreviated, you know, because of COVID rules and stuff like that. We're only meeting from, uh, you know, uh, 10 to 11. We used to go an hour and a half, and the teaching was... The worship was more, the teaching was more, uh, but now we're, you know, mindful of the clock. And I've been going over, I, I generally don't, I, I'm ger- very mindful of your time and stuff, but, uh, you know, I think if we just get, you know, just a half hour teaching in every week, we wouldn't get very far. So, And I've also been augmenting on Wednesday night the the teaching of Revelation with all the other supporting verses. So you people who, who are here on Wednesday are checking in online, you're going to be, you're like advanced class, and some of these things we're going to be talking about, it's going to be, you know, a review for you, but I, I can't skip over and assume that everybody knows everything, so that's where I am. So let's pray. We're in Revelation chapter 4. Father, um, we're here by divine appointment. You, uh, you've called us together, and, and here we are. Take this opportunity to speak to our hearts in a way that only you can do. When the Spirit of God is, is talking to us, that is so thrilling. I, I, I don't know if you even know how thrilling it is to us, Lord. That, so I pray you just do that. You you take this opportunity to, 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 to speak, to let us know how you think about things, what you want, what your, your desire is for our heart. Spirit of God, you're welcome here to take your place as rightful teacher among us and to lead us into all truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 4, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. That's as far as we'll get today. So this is this is the rapture of the church, figuratively. John is raptured into heaven. So what's rapture? That's a horrible word that's not in the Bible. Theologian came up with them. If I was in that meeting, I would have punched him in the head to come up with a better word. It's from the Latin, rapturos, and it means to be snatched up. And People who don't like this teaching say, well, it's not in the Bible. The word Bible isn't in the Bible. The word, we're Trinitarians. The word Trinity isn't in the Bible. But there's certainly, it's, they're certainly taught. This is a crazy idea. And the only thing it has going for it is that it's unquestionably Scripture. I can't recall the first time I heard of the rapture and what I thought of it. It's just, my mind is, you know, it is what it is. 
I used to be, I used to have a brain. I used to, I used to work really good. And now it's like, you know, I'm probably half senile. And it's probably a conservative estimate. And I don't remember all the things I should remember. But I, I, I would guess that back when I first countenanced this idea of us leaving the body and being in the air with Jesus Christ to be with him forever, I, 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 don't, I don't remember. I, I, I must have thought like, well, that's novel. And I was brought up in a church that didn't teach, you know, the rapture. By the way, the scriptural word for it is resurrection. We have people who don't believe in the rapture of the church, but I never met a Christian who didn't believe in resurrection. And the church that I was brought up in, they used to say the Apostles' Creed, and we'd say, I believe in the resurrection of the dead, life everlasting, you know. So it was there, we just didn't call it this weird Latin name. We called it resurrection um, why do they call this weird latin name i don't know theologians are the worst namers is all i can say they really really are um i call it resurrection you know in first thessalonians 4 when we get there and we'll go there um it's we have dead people rising from the dead i, I call that resurrection i don't know what you call it okay uh so why'd they change it to latin I, I i don't know i don't know what is it in cleon i i don't know i just i just People are, anyway, so we're, we're going to talk about the rapture, but think in terms of the resurrection, and then it's much more palatable to us. After that, I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. We have an open door in heaven. And I, and I heard a voice which, oh, by the way, I, I'm going to skip this. After this, is that important? Oh, vitally important. We're in the third section of the book of the Revelation. Third section? There's three sections you told us. I'm glad you remembered that. And we're on the third section. Well, the third section is the longest section. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 1 by way of review. Verse 19, Jesus, it's red letters, right? Jesus is saying this to John. John's on the Isle of Patmos, and he's there. He's put there by the Emperor Domitian. He's sent there um, because he's in trouble for preaching the gospel. And so they sent him to this island called Patmos. Yeah, go preach to the the miners or whatever you know what i mean so he, he he's out of domitian's hair and jesus comes and he visits him and he gives him the revelation the book of the revelation and in verse 19 he says write the things which thou hast seen the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter and that's the threefold way that's the way the book's divided so what's the thing which thou hast seen well that's in chapter one starting in uh, let's start in verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now put that in the back burner of your mind. We're going to need that later on. When Jesus talks, it sounds like a trumpet. The trumpet's always involved when we talk about the rapture of the church. Now this trumpet-voiced person says in verse 11, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Bergamos, unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. That was seven out of the last eight times we assembled. We were talking about those churches. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and, behold, and, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. What are those? We'll find out later. Those are the seven churches. And that's from verse 20. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Who's that? What's oh, Jesus Christ. 
He's clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Duh, I would. I mean... And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that was that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Now, verse 19, write the things which thou hast seen. What has he seen? Well, he just saw that. And that's what verse chapter 1 is all about. Write the things which are. What is that? It's chapters 2 and 3. The seven. That's where we live right now. We live in the church age. The church age started at Pentecost. It has a terminus. It will end at the rapture. It will end in a trumpet blast. And we'll look at that here this morning. And after that, what? Is there salvation available? Yeah. But you're not going to be the bride. You're not going to be the bride of Jesus Christ. You're not going to be the church. That ship has sailed. There are people who are saved before the church, before Pentecost. Jeremiah and David and Abraham and there's plenty of Christians, as we would call them, believers is probably a better word, before the church. And then there's the church, glorious, and we'll talk about that here this morning. And then there's people who are saved after the church. And I have friends who have talked to, about Jesus Christ and they say, well, I'll just wait till then. I'll, I'll wait till see if all this plays out and then I'll become a believer. The price for your salvation at that time is probably martyrdom. You're probably going to be beheaded. I can show you that scripturally. You say, well, that's fine. It's not. It's really not. I don't want to lose my head. I mean, if I have to die, probably one of the quickest, best, most painless, but all things being equal, I'd rather hear a trumpet voice saying, hey, come up here there, <laughs> like, like we see in chapter 4, verse 1, and I'll be in the presence of the Lord. Not, we're not all going to die before we're all resurrected. And I'll show you that here this morning again, if I ever get on it. Anyway, and now write the things which are the things which shall be uh, hereafter. The things which are the church age, the things which are hereafter, after the church age. Um, and we see this recurring phrase, metatauta in the Greek. And I say, you, I don't take Greek. I don't know. But I know, but in chapter 4, verse 1, after this is metatauta in the Greek. And it's a time word. It means this, and then this, and then this, and then, and get the order right. Because the book is chronological, and it rolls out that way. And a lot of people, you know, you've, you've seen the, uh, the, the YouTube videos and, and some crazy stuff. And why it's crazy is because they don't pay attention to the chronology of the book. It rolls out chronologically. It's very, you can figure it out pretty easy if you, just, if you find out where things pay, if you pay attention to where things roll out. In chapter 4, verse 1, for instance, this is the rapture of the church. What, what happens in chapter 6? That's day one of the tribulation. Now chapter 6 comes before chapter 4, pre-tribulation rapture. Okay, now you're visiting, you're saying pre-tribulation, oh, that stuff is so confusing. The word is, world is headed for a global judgment. Jesus is coming back, and he's had a belly full of sin. 
He died on the cross to redeem us from our sin. And there are those who will have nothing to do with him. And you think it's going to go on that way forever? No. He's going to, one day, he reigned for 40 days and 40 nights, and he judged the whole earth except for eight people in a big boat. You're saying, that's kid stuff. That's Bible. That's the word of God. And I think it's provable, easily so, but not today, because we've got enough on our plate. So after this, metatauta, after what? The church age. I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard, as it were, of a trumpet talk, and now we know it's Jesus. Who else talks like a trumpet? He's already said that. We're going to see the trumpet in almost all the verses we'll look at this morning. Immediately I was in the Spirit. Oh, this, the, the trumpet talking to me said, come up hither. I think John's name is involved here too. Like Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, Lazarus come forth. That's the name that's going to call all the dead. If he just said come forth, all the tombs would have been open. I think I'm going to hear Adam come up hither or come up here. Okay, hither is here. We, we get that, right? This is Jesus talking King James English. and I don't think so. He's going to say, Adam, come up here. And what's going to happen? I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one that sat in throne. So John is immediately transported to heaven. And what he sees, that will be the subject for next week's discussion. And until then, God's on the throne. I, I, you know, I, I've been saying for like, as long as I can remember, hey, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Bad stuff, bad stuff's coming on the earth. And now it's coming on the earth, and people are freaked out. And I'm like... We, we talked about this, we studied this, we looked at this, and now the Bible's going to, what's going to happen is what the Bible says is going to happen? Who'd have thunk? And, and the people who are freaked out are the people who don't, don't understand that God's on the throne. He's so totally in command of, yeah, this election, this was legit, man, we got robbed, we got, maybe, or maybe not. Maybe it turned out exactly how you wanted it to ter- turn out. But I'll tell you what, I went, I've been through, the political pendulum swings here, it swings here, it swings, and people in America, we're, we're crazy, <laughs> nothing in the middle, everything's like uh, all or nothing, you know, and, it, and, it, and, and I thought like, when it's my team, I think, yay, and when it's the other team, I think, oh, and through it all, God's been on the throne, God has been totally God, he's like, oh no, America went the wrong way, I can't believe this, and he's all freaked out, and he's not. He is so in control, and we have to know that. And I, I don't understand Christians freaked out. I, I, I mean, I really don't understand that. We'll talk about that at length next time. But anyway, he's in the spirit, and that's a picture of the rapture of the church. Is he actually raptured? No, because he's in the spirit. He's not in the body in heaven. If he's in the body, if he gets his miraculous new body, and he's in heaven... And I'll tell you why I think it's the rapture, or a picture of the rapture. Let's go to Revelation chapter 11. When I say rapture, if you're having trouble with that word, just think resurrection, and you'll be fine. No, I'm serious about that. You know what I mean? Because I, I want you to understand. I'm not talking about some new doctrine that you know just a few crazy fringe people believe. All Christians believe in the resurrection of the dead. Revelation chapter 11. I just want to show you this. Let's start in verse... Three, I will give power unto my two witnesses. Okay, 
two witnesses of chapter 11, famous. And they shall prophesy 1,203 score days clothed in sackcloth. King James, 1,260, okay? That's three and a half years to the day in Bible years of 360-day years. So they're going to prophesy for three and a half years. These are the two olive trees and two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven and that rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit, read here Antichrist, shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. What do you know about these? They're not members of the church because Satan would never have that much power over them. God has given us power over snakes and scorpions and tread on the enemy. You guys nerved up about Satan? You should not be. I can't show you a Bible verse that says fear Satan, but I can show you a lot of Bible verses that say fear God. Story for another time. So this, this Antichrist is going to overcome the two witnesses, okay? And their bodies shall lie, and they're going to kill them, verse 7. Their bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where our Lord was crucified, Jerusalem, okay? Their dead bodies are in the streets in Jerusalem. And they of the people of the kindreds and tongues of nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in a grave. They only give them a burial, is what it's saying. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. After three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, read here, resurrection, and they stood upon their feet. All resurrection is physical, it's not spiritual. People talk about spiritual resurrection and think, what are you talking about? There's no such thing. Standing on your feet, is that's what resurrection means. It means to get up on your feet. It means to get reanimated. To You were dead, now you're alive. That's resurrection. And they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them, I guess, right? And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. Does that hark back to chapter 4, verse 1? Yes, it does. Is there a connection there? Hey, the same author. You're saying John wrote the whole book. No, the Holy Spirit of God wrote the whole book. And he uses the same language and the same idioms and the same they heard a great voice from heaven saying come up hither and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them it's the same so they were raptured if you will resurrected and it's the same picture that's why i think chapter 4 verse 1 after the church age john is a picture of the church raptured and in heaven come up hither now we're in heaven. And what happens then? Well, lots of good stuff. I think, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Verse 4 of chapter 4, round about the throne of four and twenty seats. Upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. A lot of people say, well, nobody knows the, the, um, the identity of the 24. I, well, I think I do. I think they're the elders. I think they're a, a picture of the church represented in heaven. They're in white robes. Is that one of the promises Jesus said to the overcomer? Yes. Uh, they're uh, sitting on thrones. Is that one of the promises Jesus said to the overcomer? Yes. And they have crowns upon the head. Is that anything that we see all through the New Testament? Promised to Christians exclusively. 
there's any crowns ever promised to angels? Or to Old Testament saints, for that matter? Crowns are promised to Christians, members of the church. But we'll cover that. Now, so if these people in heaven are represented the Christian church, pre-tribulation rapture is a slam dunk. The debate's over. But I'll give you even more examples of that, why they are the Christian church when we get to that, okay? But let's talk about this idea of rapture and this idea of... Let's go to first. By the way, just, just want to say this first. Can you get saved after the rapture? Yes. But you ain't going to be part of the church. Is that important? To be the bride of Christ? Is that important? I think so. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is talking about his cousin, John the Baptist. Verily I say unto you, in verse 11, Matthew 11, 11. If you're not there, you can just listen. Verily, when Jesus says verily, he's saying truly, amen. Truly, I'm telling you something. Sit up and pay attention. This is true truth. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, they have not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Of course, excluding himself. Uh, he, it would be immodest for him to say, there's never been anyone greater than John. Oh, except me. But we know he's greater, okay? There's never been a greater than John the Baptist. Then he goes on to say something very curious. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Anyone got any questions about that? Never been anyone greater than John the Baptist. Oh, by the way, he that's least in the kingdom is greater than John. Wait, what? <laughs> Hello? I, I can't even make sense of that. Well, you can if you understand when he, by the phrase when he's saying, he that's least in the kingdom. So you have this old grandma in some church somewhere. You never knew. Nobody ever knows. And she's just sitting and praying and just loving the Lord. Is she greater than John? You don't know her name. Everyone knows John the Baptist. Is she greater than John? Yeah. Jesus thinks so. How is that? Because when people came to John and said, hey, who are you? Who do you think it was? Read here. Who do you think you are? Are you the Messiah? I am not. Are you Jeremiah? I mean, are you Ezekiel? He says, I'm not. Are you that prophet? Now, that prophet harks back to Deuteronomy 18. You can look it up on your own time. And he says, no. Well, who are you? He says, I'm the one declaring, you know, make, make the way of the Lord straight, this and this. He called himself, in a strange phrase, he said, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. What is that? Well, in our vernacular, we would say the best man. The friend of the bridegroom is the best man. Guys get married, they have a best man. Women have a maid of honor, a matron of honor. Guys have a best man. That was the way in Jewish weddings, too. They call him the friend of the bridegroom. Okay, that's just a, that's just a phrase. It's just, but think in terms of best man. Is there a difference? When you get married, is there a difference between men, between your bride and your best man? <laughs> you better hope there is, and you better hope you know the difference. Now, the bride is an enviable position. The best man, that's cool. But in the, listen, nobody goes to the best man and say, okay, what should the colors be? Or where are we going to have this wedding? Or what a, it, how should I, should, it, nobody invites the best man to, to buy the bride's gown. He's on the totem pole, right? It's really about the bride. Not in the scripture, by the way, it's about the bridegroom. But that's a story for another time. And we're not going to change it. And 
I'm not trying. Don't <laughs> Somebody's going to hunt me down and try to yell at me later on. Uh, but anyway, uh, the bride is in the hierarchy. That's a really important person, right? And the bridegroom, he's also in the... So, but the, the best man, he's down here, right? That's why Jesus said, he that's least in the kingdom, is, he's, is, is the question is, is John part of the bride of Christ? No. John wasn't a church. He was beheaded before Pentecost. He's saved. Don't get me wrong. He's in heaven. Is he the bride of Christ? No. You are. Jesus died to get himself a bride. You are in an enviable position. You are in in a... Will there be salvation after the church is raptured? Yeah, but you're never going to be part of the bride. That ship has sailed. Well, I'll be in heaven. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Well, it's not bad. <laughs> it's very good. Will you be part of the bride? No, no. Why would you wait? And why would you? Oh, but I'll just get saved then. Really? I'm going to skip the whole tribulation thing. I'm going to get saved now and just like trumpet blast Adam come up here and I'll be watching all you figure it all out from the mezzanine. I mean, those of you who aren't part of the bride, that's what I mean. Okay, anyway, I want to go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to show you something that I bet a lot of Christians don't know. I'm going to show you the, the rapture of the, of the church in the Old Testament. Say, I dare you. No, I really got a verse. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, we went over this a couple of weeks on a Wednesday night. We went over this at length, okay? And I'm not going to go over it at length because we don't have that much time. It talks about resurrection. Look at verse 42 of 1 Corinthians 15. The whole chapter is on resurrection. So also, in verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. That's to say this body is raised in incorruption. When you get out of the grave, you can look like a zombie walking dead. You know, your skin's hanging off your head and you're all kind of... No. I love how Hollywood portrays resurrection. You're going to be... If you were resurrected right here now, we wouldn't be able to look at anything else. I'm thinking... uh, a woman, all women, finally will be happy with their bodies. I never met a woman who was now. Uh, they, they just, they just never are. Um, and guys, we're always like, we're always happy with that. We get this big old, you know, washboard abs, right? Doesn't show right now. I got towels in there, but we, we're cool with that. We can sit there, chicken graveyard right there. Guys are okay, but you're gonna have an admit. You know what I don't like about my body? I mean, seriously. No joking aside. So I got back to working with the tools. Some of you guys know I've been, last job's gone, new job. So I'm working as an electrician again. And so I'm kneeling down doing this and I get up and I'm oh, these 61-year-old knees are not 18 years. I am just like, at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I am, it's good. No, don't, I'm getting tough again, I think, strong. And I like that, but I am no child and you know, I am not 18 years old I am not just and this body's not like you know how like you know I get up in the morning and I'm on the side of the bed there like some of the guys you know what I'm talking about and something you gotta just kind of 
make sure you all got up and, you know, nothing's still down there. And you're kind of like, and you have to kind of like, you can't just jump out of bed like you used to, you know, the alarm rings. and you got to kind of work at it a little bit and stuff. It's just, we're just, you know how it is when you're 50, in your 50s, when you're in your 60s. You're not, you're not like you. So that part of my body, it's like, I'm happy enough with it, but it's, it's let me down. But this body here, this resurrected body, that doesn't need food but gets to eat anyway, that never sweats, that never smells bad, that never has tired or hungry or... It's perfect body. And Jesus showed off, like in his resurrection, what our body's going to be like. With, he showed us a little bit with his body. Walks the walls. They're in the upper room. The door's locked. Jesus is right there. How did that happen? Somebody point out the physics of that. Our body will be the same thing. He ascended up into heaven. He doesn't care about things like gravity. You remember, every time that Jesus appears after his resurrection, food is always involved. My kind of Savior. No lie. He's always eaten. I love that. Like I said last couple of weeks ago, I think it's a Dane, Jenny Craig ain't in heaven. No paleo, no. Jenny Craig might be saved, might be in heaven, but she ain't peddling any wares. No, there's no Weight Watchers. There's no none of that vegan. Just all out the door. It's, and you can eat and and, and will you get? Oh, oh, that that didn't. None of that. None of that. Uh, so also as the resurrected is sown in corruption is raised in incorruption, is sown in dishonor is raised in glory, is sown in weakness is raised in power, it is sown in natural body, is raised in spiritual body. There is a natural body, there's a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit, quickening, life-giving. I don't know, King Jimmy, right? A life-giving spirit. And who's the last Adam? Jesus Christ. We are like we are getting older. Because of our father, Adam. But we're going to have a resurrection like Jesus had. And that's what verse 45 is telling us. Howbeit there was not that which, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. So natural happens like it's happened with you, and then the spiritual, the resurrection. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is of the Lord of heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. You're not going to heaven the way you go, the way you are right now. Hallelujah. This body's getting older and older. It's not, I live towards, towards eternity. What you, what's this body going to look like when I'm 100, when I'm 200? Oh, my goodness. New resurrection body. And I think, by the way, we'll be 30-something. Isn't that old TV show? 30-something. It's not an old TV show. I think it's a heavenly. You had to figure that out too, right? If you were like died crib death, you know, you could be like eternally three days old. That's weird. Um, as we have borne the image of the earthy, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth, neither doth corruption put on incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. And he's saying this like, this is some, a mystery scripturally is something that up until this point nobody knows and now I'm going to tell you. And th- that's, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, 
We should not all sleep, but we should all be changed. Sleep is a euphemism in Christianity for death. Always. Why? Getting up again. Remember Jairus' daughter? Hey, Maid's not dead. She's just asleep. Was he lying? No, he knew he was going to resurrect her. So that's why he says she's she's not a, she's not dead. She's asleep. Was she dead? Oh yeah, <laughs> quite dead. They laughed him to scorn. They know death when they see it. He's like, yeah, but you don't know resurrection. Watch this, Talitha Kumai, little lamb, arise. I love that. Warms my heart, sweetheart. Hey, lamb, lambkins. What what is it? What is he? Is that her name? It might be. It might be. I don't. I don't know that. But I think he's just talking, you know, to her, like bringing her soul back from wherever it was. Imagine. Hey, come on back. Arise, little little lamb, lamb chop. Arise. She's like, wow, and these bearded men there, <laughs> like all this old Roman, like mom and dad are there, and she understood. She heard that voice. She she knows who the creator of the universe is. Once she's dead, she. Probably has it all figured out, right? She has to come back to the earth. She what? She wasn't dead. She was just asleep in the sense of, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We're not all going to die. We're all going to be changed. We're not all going to die. We're all going to be changed. At some point, God's got this program like, okay, this is what happens now. Trumpet blast. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. We shall not all die. Some of us are going to be like what? And I would guess everybody in this room, unless you're like right on death's door and you're like, you've got a week or two to go. I don't, I don't know that. What could happen? A lot of things can happen. We never know when it's our time. Live like every day is your last. Easy peasy, right? We never know when we're going to go. But in the natural, how many of us here are earmarked for death? I don't imagine anybody. I think the rapture is very close at hand. I think the time for you to stop messing around and get right with the Lord is like yesterday. You, you cannot get right with the Lord soon enough. We're not all going to sleep, but we shall be changed in a, in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. What's the twinkling of an eye? That's just an eye blink, right? No. That's the time it takes for light to pass through your eye, through your lens. Zero time. There's no shorter time you can conceive of. The word is an atomos, an instant, okay? For the trumpet shall sound, trumpet. Is the Spirit of God trying to tell us something? Yes. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. I told you the rapture is the resurrection. The dead shall be raised, incorruptible. Night of the living dead, zombies, none of that. We don't go to Hollywood for our theology. We go to the Bible, okay? The dead it shall be raised, incorruptible. Maggot eaten, incorruptible. Perfect. See, yeah, but what happened, like, you know, my uncle Barney, he was a Christian. He'd been dead in, in the ground like 40 years. And you've been, you, you're sown in dishonor. You're raised in honor. You're sown in corruptible. You're raised incorruptible. What if, you know, somebody was eaten by a shark and I don't know how else to say it. Raised, and by the way, all God needs is your DNA. 
That's the blueprint for who you are. He doesn't have to collect those atoms, those specific carbon molecules, and he doesn't have to do any of that. Um, you know, atomic structure, you know, they're totally, molecules are totally fungible. A carbon molecule is a carbon molecule is a carbon molecule. Any carbon molecule will do. The DNA is who you are. That's, that's the blueprint. Does he have your DNA on file? Yes. Do not worry about it. God spoke the world into existence. He knows how to sort it all out at the end. In the moment, the twinkling of the eye, the last trumpet, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we, the not dead ones, we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. And then, and on it goes. And let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I, 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 just, I just want to give you the, the brief, you know, 1 Corinthians. We're going to the right, a couple books. 1 Thessalonians, this should be well-worn. You, should, you, should, you put your Bible on the table and it opens up to 1 Thessalonians 4, right? What did I say? Did I say Corinthians? 1 Thessalonians 4. Like I say, you, this should be well-worn in your Bible, right? I check it like at least three times a day and make sure it's still there. Because this is my hope. And there's a crown to those who love his appearing. And I'll show you next time we're together on Wednesday night why I believe the, the phrase his appearing talks about the rapture, not about his second coming. But we'll get there. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Some people have died at Thessalonica since Paul came and taught them. And they were saying, oh, Aunt Jane, she died. She's going to miss the rapture. Oh, this is terrible. When the Lord comes back, she's not going to, oh, this is horrible. And he's like, relax, remain calm. 1 Thessalonians 13, chapter 4, verse 13 4.13, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Again, sleep, euphemism for death, right? I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the ones who have already died, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do we? Well, of course we do. Even so, them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. How's he going to bring them with? Because... Aunt Jane, who died, she's with the Lord. You understand that. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Is she physically resurrected? No. This is when she's going to be physically resurrected. Was Paul the apostle? He's the one who said, he's the one who wrote, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Is Paul with the Lord? Yes. Physically? I don't think so. The Lord's going to bring... Paul and your Aunt Jane with him when he comes back, their spirit, which will be reunited with a resurrected body. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Hey, this is something we made up. I ain't having like, you know, I ate too many cucumbers before I went to bed and I'm having like a pepperoni dream or something. No, 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 no. This isn't something that secret rapture people write on, you know, on, on, have you seen this on, on, on YouTube? There's no secret rapture. Secret rapture? What are you talking about? We don't make it a secret. We're broadcasting along that. And that's just their way of mocking. It's the resurrection, y'all. It's right here. We say in this book, this is the word of the Lord. This Calvary Chapel is distinctive. Right? Calvary Chapel pastors get up and we're just making up. No, 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 no. This is the word of the Lord right here. We which are alive remain under the coming of the Lord. We're not going to... Uh, King James again. We're not going to proceed... Them which are asleep. I know it says prevent, but it means go before. 
the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and it says that in uh, verse, the end of verse 16. So, but we're not going to prevent those who are asleep, again, who have dead, right? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice, voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. Oh, my goodness. Duh. <laughs> you know, it's, it, keeps, it keeps repeating that. So what are we going to have? We're going to have the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Paul the Apostle, Aunt Jane, all the Christians throughout the, all the millennia. Have you lost a loved one who loved Jesus? We have. We have. Is she going to be resurrected? Yeah, first, before us. How cool is that? Then we, then we were to alive and remain. I, I want to show you something very subtle just happened. Then we, Paul, had anticipated he'd be part of the resurrection. The part of the resurrection that would be changed, not the part of the resurrection that's going to go first. Paul, in his day, thought Jesus was coming back and the rapture is going to happen. So when I think that, I'm in good, if you think that, we're in good company. Paul believed he was going to be raptured. Was he right? No, he's going to be raptured. He's going to be raptured first. He's not going to be part of that, that of those who are alive and remain. Are, you, are we those who are alive and remain? I think so. I've been thinking this since 1980 when I first got saved. So far I've been wrong. But it served me well because I'm not one to put things off. Especially when I'm not right with the Lord, when I've sinned, I have very short accounts. I take care of stuff. I don't want to like have the Lord come back and be like uber embarrassed of what I'm doing, what I'm involved with, what I'm not doing. It just we, we we've never been like that. Because why? He could come back today. We, let's, let's plan your life like he's come back in a million years. Go to college, get married, have children. Plan your future out. Save money. Plan on retirement. But live like he's coming back today. If you have both of those things, you're doing good. Okay. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. They're very comforting, these words. Unless you love life more than you love Jesus, Come back. I'm so ready. I cannot even. I, we talk about this all the time. As a church in my house, this is like common fare we talk about. We're, we're planning long term. We're living like he's coming back today. Um, I want to show you something new te- in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 26. And by the way, while we're there, I'm gonna one, one more verse. John 14. On your way back there, you'll trip over John 14. John chapter 14, verse 1. We looked at this and we compared it to uh, 1 Thessalonians last time we were together on Wednesday night. And the comparison is so stark. Jesus is talking about the rapture of the church in John chapter 14. There's no doubt about it. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. He just said he's going away. He's going to be crucified this night. Or he's going to be... He's going to be... Arrested this night, going to six kangaroo courts of trials, and then he's going to be crucified. And he told, 
He tells him he's going away. Then he says, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You're going away. We've been following you for three and a half years. Now all of a sudden you're going away. What do you mean let not your heart be troubled? Remain calm. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I, okay, you say mansions. No, I, they're opulent. I mean, the street is gold, right? It's, it's fancy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but I don't want a mansion. I don't want to live down the street and around the corner from God. I want to live in God's house with God. He's got a big house. I'm going to live there. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm not lying about this. I go to prepare a place for you. Take that right to heart. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Read here, rapture. That where I am, there you may be also. By the way, just because I'm in the neighborhood, whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas, God bless Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith said unto him, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Non-believers hate that verse. We talk about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Hey, it's a pluralistic society. You can believe anything you want. You can. You can. It doesn't mean you're right. Jesus says, I don't care about your pluralistic society. I'm the only way to God. How dare you? Uh, Jesus was created. He dares. <laughs> Take it up with him, okay? Again, I'm not his editor. I'm just, I didn't write the book. Uh, I, I'm just telling you what it says. Isaiah chapter 26. And by the way, I do believe that with my whole heart. Jesus is the way. Um, does that upset you? If you had cancer and there was a, a treatment, that absolutely, you take this pill and you'd be totally cured. Well, I don't want to take that pill. I want to get cured of cancer this way. This is the treatment. This will cure you. Well, I, I refuse. I want to drink carrot juice and be cured. Well, I hope carrot juice works. There's no guarantee. I, I'm not amazed that Jesus is that way. I'm amazed that there is a way. That God was so gracious, he gave us a way to salvation. It's easy. I believe in Jesus Christ. Ask him in my heart to save me. He did. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, the thing I, thank you. Thank you for providing a way. I ain't taking that on. Okay, whatever. Okay, chapter 26 of Isaiah. We'll end here. Isaiah chapter 26. Verse 20. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. Saying, what indignation? Worldwide indignation. We call it the tribulation. You can call it the time of Jacob's trouble. You can call it the 70th week of Daniel. You can call it a lot of things. The Bible has a lot. Got the day of the Lord. There's a lot of verbiage in Scripture that defines this day. Here he calls the indignation. How do you know he's not just talking about when Nebuchadnezzar comes and takes over Jerusalem? Because there's no chambers that are going to hide you from that. And, verse 21, For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. This is worldwide. 
the Lord, Jesus, is coming out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth. We'll see that in chapter 6. Is there anyone unscathed? Yeah, you collect beans and brown rice and purified water tablets and you'll be fine. You'll, you'll, you prep your way out of the tribulation. You'll be fine, right? Factor in my sarcasm. It's going to affect everybody on the planet. There's no prepper that's going to be like, you can move to a cabin in Montana with all your... You'll be No, no. It's going to be bad. Um, when we read about it, it, I'm going to have a hard time getting our minds around the devastation, the death, the mayhem. The, it's going to be bad. The Lord cometh out of his place to punish and have his earth for their iniquity. Jesus' blood atonement answers for the iniquity of you and for me. I've been a bad guy. I've been ridiculously horrible. And Jesus died for my sins. And when I stand before God, he's not going to say, hey, why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? And ask me a lot of questions I don't have any answer for. I did it because I'm a sinner, because I'm bad. That's the answer. None of that stuff's going to come up. Jesus died for my sins. Your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more, God says. He says the Bible says he takes our iniquities and he puts them in the deepest part of the ocean. He says he removes them as far as the east is from the west. I love, I love so much about God. I love that. Hey, I, I got no reason for why I was such an awful human being. And I don't, I don't need one. Jesus paid the penalty for all my sins. But to those who are still sinning and doing awful things, this is awful. I can't tell you. I mean, there's some things. There's, people are, are, are... I think Pizzagate's a real thing. If, if that pizza parlor in Washington isn't, Child trafficking certainly is. What about that? No biggie. Oh, it's a biggie to God. Children crying out to their, their father for deliverance. He's going he's gonna to deliver. He's going to make everything right. Nobody's getting away with nothing. This part, he's very gracious to us. He'll just say, don't worry about it. Jesus died for it. It's under the blood. Imagine what he's done for us. Those who haven't put themselves under the blood by belief in Jesus Christ. Ouch. I'll read it again. Come, my people, enter thou into the chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be passed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. It's all going to be out in the open. It's all going to be secret, secret society, secret this, secret that. Not when Jesus comes, not when he reveals. Everything's going to be made right. By the way, back in Revelation, we'll end. I promise we'll end, we'll end. This is why... In the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a book written within on the backside, sealed with seven seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the seals and loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven or on earth, under the earth, was able to open the book, neither look therein. And I wept much. I sobbed convulsively, is what John's saying. Why? Because nobody's able to 
open that book and make things right. We'll see. That's going to be the title of Deed of the Earth. It's going to be very, very important as we get there. But that's for another time. Uh, look, Jesus has come back to get his bride. Does that involve you or not? Well, only you know that. Is there any reason why you wouldn't put your trust in Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one's coming to the Father but by me. It's a gracious invitation. Say, so I'll wait. I'll wait to see how things play out. I would say, when you see what's gonna, how it's going to play out, I would strongly caution against that. Um, take advantage of his grace. Will the trumpet sound this afternoon? I don't know that. It's going to be... This, nothing's going to happen. Nothing needs to happen biblically before the rapture. And Scripture teaches that over and over and over again. That's why it's like a thief in the night. No pre... Nothing has to happen first. I, if I wasn't right with God, I'd get right today. I mean, I, I just mean that. And there's no real great other reason to study Revelation than, like I say, get on board. Awful things are going to happen in chapter 6. Me, I'll be watching it from the mezzanine. Hopefully you will too. Let's stand, let's pray, let's go out of here in song. Sorry, I'm over, I know. When we go back to normal time, I won't be over though at all. I, I really, I really, <laughs> I said, well, I didn't, I was over only before I was like two or three minutes. I'd never be like five minutes over, like back in the old days. Right? Okay. Only once or twice. Father, I, I just thank and praise you for what's written here. What, uh, we're going to comfort one another these words because we get a free pass. We get a ticket out of here. You, Lord, we're looking forward to resurrected bodies. We're looking forward to being in your presence forever. I have not seen nor have heard nor have entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Uh, you know that sitting on a cloud playing a harp all day, that is so Hollywood, Lord, but that's not what you've got for us. You've got wonderful things in store because you know how to bless us now and you know how to thrill us now and you know how to give us the, the, the desires of our heart now. We thank and praise you. You're a good God. You've got good things for us lined up. And Lord, for any who don't know you, I pray that you see somebody today and, and pray and settle this. It's, it's this easy, just a prayer away. Thank and praise you, Lord, for this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.